Welcome to the Fields of Fantasy, Fantasy Basics Show, presented by TA Fantasy Football. And welcome to the Fields of Fantasy, Fantasy Basics Show, Pestle from TH Fantasy Football here with you again. And this week I'm going to be talking Dynasty Football with Rich Cooling of Dynasty Island. Three times on the show now, Rich, you are now firmly into friend of the show territory. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Does this mean I get a match ball sent to me? A match ball, we'll see if we can find uh, <laughs> We need to get some merchandise sorted, don't we? Uh, we'll send, send you a cap and a t-shirt. <laughs> Beautiful, thanks for having me on. It's awesome to come back on. Yeah, I no, really appreciate it. Obviously, uh, for those of you who are active on the application formerly known as Twitter, uh, you'll be very well aware of Rich's work via Dynasty Island and the Fancy Sanctuary as well both on Twitter and on YouTube. So we're going to be talking Dynasty at this stage of the season. This will be going out around, I'm guessing, when you're listening now, it's around week 13. We're at a stage where you either know you're making a push for the championship in your Dynasty League, or you're going to be having a plan towards next year already. And I think especially with your Dynasty Leagues, you do need to make some important decisions at this stage based on how you might go into the off-season and then what you're going to do beyond that as well. What we're going to start off doing there is a little bit of a, a rookie check-in. We're going to have a quick look at QBs and have a bit of a deeper dive at wide receivers. The big shame on this season, I think, is, is obvious today, isn't it, Rich? And that's with Anthony Richardson going down and missing most of the season. Um, we've been robbed as far as watching a great player potentially emerging as a rookie and for the fantasy impact of that as well, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what he was doing... In the short space of time, he was actually healthy and on the field from a fancy perspective was absolutely wild. Um, you know, I, I still think he's got a little bit of way to go in terms of his processing ability, but purely for fantasy, his ability to, you know, score touchdowns in and around the red zone and, and that rushing floor when he is healthy, if he can stay healthy moving forward, he's going to be an absolute superstar, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And he was, he was electric to watch in those few games where he was really, say, it's, it is a, a lazy pun, but hitting the ground running at the start of his career. But he's very much left the route clear. I would say uh, probably the, the nailed-on favourite for offensive rookie of the year at the moment. And we've spoken on the main show that he's got to at least be in the discussion um, on the fringes of MVP. CJ Stroud has looked absolutely great over the last few weeks. I think few weeks in, people starting to ask questions of the Texans in general, but he's really come on leaps and bounds, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he's been absolutely incredible. I, I had two big questions of Stroud coming into the league. I was concerned about his ability to process and get through his reads, and I was concerned about him under pressure. And he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league already under pressure. And you basically, you can see teams now on third and fourth down aren't blitzing him, which shows his ability to make the right read, progress through those reads and distribute the ball that teams are already scared of blitzing him. So yeah, he's answered my two big questions, leaps and bounds. And yeah, I think the, you know, the ceiling, was it the sky's the sky's the limit as such. Messing up my sayings. I think one thing one thing we've spoken about a lot on the main our main show as well is something that I can remember listening to Daniel Jeremiah talk about a number of years ago, and that's about the mentality of a rookie quarterback being one of those key aspects that helps with that transition. And CJ Stroud is someone that's handled a lot of that press pressure um, when he's needed to. And the other week where he had his three inceptions in a game, the way he handled that afterwards, going, I'm just going to keep on going, like this happens, he shows his approach in the game in the right way, and he's got that mentality as well, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, him coming out and, and talking about Steph Curry misses shots, I'm going to keep on shooting. You know, like that's mind-blowing, as you say, for a rookie to have that mentality of, yeah, okay, I messed up. Doesn't mean anything. I'm going to, you know, keep firing. I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to go <laughs> into this game. Is incredible to have that mentality and that level of confidence, as you said, as a rookie is is genuinely impressive there's a few other rookies we could bring into the equation but i'm going to focus on two for this next part and that is bryce young and will levis i'm not convinced by anything i've seen uh, seen with either of them yet for that longevity will levis we've spoken about on our main show how it was it was like the second coming of tom brady after that first appearance and everything's calmed down back to a normal level he's making mistakes that you would expect of a rookie 
that was meant to be sitting in his first season. Are you high on either of those two moving forward, though, for Dynasty? I'm I'm higher than consensus on Bryce Young. I wouldn't say I was high, but it feels like the entire market has already decided that Bryce Young is a complete bust and never going to be anything. I think that the concern is the surrounding talent. That offensive line is abysmal. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if the coaching staff gets completely ripped up at the end of the year. Um, and, you know, there's no wide receivers that can get open. It seems that we keep throwing all these big-bodied, fast outside receivers. But, you know, Jonathan Mingo's been a complete bust and really disappointed. And and the whole host of whether it's Terrace Marshall or, or all the other guys have been useless. It's basically Adam Thielen who can't win against man, who can only sit in a soft spot of a zone and, and basically get huge amounts of target that way. But I think that there are some concerns about Bryce Young. I think his footwork needs work. I think he's almost too relaxed in the pocket. I think he needs to speed everything up. But, he, you know, he's attempting like 6% of passes, more than 28%, 20 yards downfield. And that's not on him. That's purely on the offense because the offensive line can't keep him clean and no receivers can get open. So I think that for me, before I'm saying that Bryce Young's a bust, I need to see some investment around him and hopefully a better situation so that we can hopefully make an actual genuine evaluation. Because let's not forget six months ago, this was the guy that was, you know, ahead of CJ Stroud, ahead of Anthony Richardson in consensus dynasty ranks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which which of those quarterbacks would you be actively targeting uh, for dynasty leagues? Well, I mean, it's all it's all cost dependent, isn't it? I think you know I've yeah. got CJ Stroud as a a top six dynasty quarterback right now. I don't think you can go out and buy him at, at the price. I think you're probably talking three firsts plus easily. Um, I love going out and buying Anthony Richardson if you can, but I think most people are aware of that. I think if you can buy low on Bryce Young, I've seen people quote that they take it, you know, they wouldn't, but they take a late first round pick for Bryce Young. I'd happily go and play a, you know, a mid to late first round pick in a super flex league if I can go and buy Bryce Young. Will Levis, look, my concern with Will Levis is that he's not playing in a real offense right now. It's basically, he he's his, if you look at where he's distributing the ball, it's non-existent beyond the line of scrimmage, short of 20 yards. He's leading the league in the number of attempts that are 20 yards downfield. He's leading the league that number of attempts that are behind the line of scrimmage. It's basically check downs and deep bombs, and he's got nothing else. And that's not sustainable for a quarterback. So unless they're going to change the offense, unless they're going to, you know, try and actually get him reading and throwing proper concepts, I've got real concerns about the ceiling and where he could go as a prospect. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that price fits in with incoming quarterbacks as well in dynasty drafts next year and where it sits with the number of quarterbacks that have gone out injured this year, how that affects their drafts capital and their stock in there. It's going to be an interesting off-season, I think, for quarterbacks in general and it looks like we could be set for a good bit of movement as well at quarterback position um, across across the league in a number of areas. I think I've seen numerous times on X your quarterbacks you are confident in their starting position for next year and it's not it's not a full list is it no I mean it's like what I can't remember the exact number I've got at the moment but yeah it's about 14 15 um I seem to take a lot of heat that I don't believe 100 in in Sam Howell and Jared Goff have got starting jobs next year and yeah no nobody else seems to agree with me on that but I think you've just got to look at a lot of situations and it's basically unless they're a rookie that's either had a lot spent on them like Bryce Young or is really producing like CJ Stroud or they're a um, a veteran that's got a huge contract, I'm not confident in any of them being a starting quarterback next year because there is you know, a fantastic rookie class. There's some really intriguing free agents when you think of Kirk Cousins potentially coming back and being a free agent and players like that. And I also think there's going to be some interesting options available on the trade market, whether that be, you know, potentially Daniel Jones, whether that be Kyler Murray, you're going to see someone like Ryan Tannehill is probably going to be available. I think there's there's a lot of names and players that could be in new homes next year. I would like nothing more than for Sam Howell not to be a starting quarterback next year because I was very low on him. 
it turns out far too low in him just season and he just keeps proving on week after week after week. So uh, I would very much like for Sam Howell not to be a starting quarterback next year. What we'll look at next then is some wide receivers. Now, one of my absolute favourite types of player to target in Dynasty, well, redraft as well, are year two wide receivers. Uh, it's a tried and tested position that seems to always get a good bump after that first year of adjusting to the league. And I've been looking at the, the key stats for this from a lot of what you kind of read around and for, for my money as well is that targets per route run and the yards per route run as well to see just how much in that first year a wide receiver's managed to get a role and carve out a role for themselves. We're looking around that fifth, anything below 15% targets per route run, anything less than one yard per route run. With, that's that danger zone, it really, isn't it, when you're looking at uh, a wide receiver for their rookie output. I've picked up on six of the, the key wide receivers. I've got some kind of others to mention in there as well, but I'm going to start off with my bias. I'm going to start off with the joystick that is Zay Flowers, who's had a really good rookie season. And I think everything with Zay Flowers does need to be tempered with. It's a, a brand new offense that Baltimore have been running. He's got two other competent uh, wide receivers around him. He's got Mark Andrews for competition as well. I think he's carved out a really good role for himself. So 20.8% targets per route run and 1.8 yards per route run. No, not phenomenal numbers, but certain numbers that could lead on to him having a hot good production next year as well. 24.3% target share, which with Mark Andrews in the mix, I think is, is quite a remarkable uh, figure to be looking at. 22% in the red zone. Fancy points per target. This was a lovely stat I found online earlier. Um, 1.45. The fact that you can break it down to how many points they're getting per target, I think is a really useful indicator for the potential of a wide receiver. Have you had many shares of Zay Flowers this year? Yeah, I'm, I've, I've got plenty of Zay Flowers. Yeah, he was my rookie wide receiver three. Um, I had him very, very close to being rookie wide receiver two. So, um, so yeah, I've got plenty of Zay Flowers. I really like what he's done, I think. The intriguing thing for me is that the Ravens are using him more downfield. We're seeing him running, as the season's going on, a more diverse route tree. I think he's always going to have that element of manufactured touches, which gives him that kind of you know, decent fancy floor. We're going to see him used in the screen game. We're going to see him used around on jet suites and end arounds and things like that. But they're also now using him on the intermediate and deep shots. And I think that he's got real potential to be, I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver one for fantasy, No, but I think he's the kind of guy that could be a reliable wide receiver two, wide receiver three for the next six, seven, eight years. Yeah. And that's something it's, we've spoken a few times, I've spoken a few times. I, I am not used to seeing high quality wide receiver output uh, in Baltimore. So it's been very exciting for me this season as well. Not as exciting as it's been for LA Rams fans to have as their wide receiver champion so far this season, not being Cooper Cup, but being Puka Nakua, um, a player that his name wasn't mentioned very widely pre-season in many spaces, but 30% tires per route run, 2.62 yards per route run. He's getting a 31% target share, 25% of the red zone. And he's averaging 1.62 fancy points per target. He's getting a lot of volume, hasn't he, over the course of the season so far, even when Cooper Cup's been in. Obviously, it's been impacted, but he was still used, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's he's what he's doing is absolutely mind-blowing. I thought that he'd come in and potentially be a good blocking receiver, a competent kind of gadget player. I didn't foresee at all him coming in and carving out any sort of actual target share his kind of production versus zone numbers this year have been absolutely astronomical I don't know off the top of my head but at one point he was leading the league in yards versus zone and yards per run versus zone it was it was wild I think it's the difficult thing with rookie wide receivers that you can't basically assess almost that football intelligence to a certain level because yeah. that's where he is. You know, he's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. He's a good route runner. He's not a great route runner. He's a good natural hands receiver. He's not a great natural hands receiver. But where he's phenomenal is that football intelligence at finding the soft spots in zone, sitting down and just always being open for Stafford. So, yeah, I mean, he's my dynasty wide receiver 16 right now. And I think that he's, he's a really safe kind of, 
plug and play receiver moving forward. I don't think there's any concern because I think he's, as I said, he's got that intelligence that he's just doesn't matter how you play him. He's going to be able to sit and find soft spots. A player who has, I think, also exceeded a lot of expectations this season, a player that was widely spoken about as being not the build, not the weight, not a prototypical wide receiver at all and would struggle to make it in the NFL. Tank Dell has done fantastic things in tandem with CJ Stroud over the course of particularly the last few weeks as well. 25.6 tights per route run, 2.52 yards per route run, He's getting a 21.7% target share, 18% in the red zone, and he's averaging a 1.85 points per target. That connection between him and CJ Stroud, if they continue to develop together, if he does manage to carve out that role in the offense, that could be a fantastic pairing, couldn't it, for for a few years to come? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I take my victory lap on Tankdale. I was very high on him in the (laughs) offseason. He was one of the guys that... I was targeting because, for me, I think that we obsess over size at the wide receiver position far too much. We, I, I have this Calvin Johnson theory where everyone's trying to tr- chase big, tall, fast. He's such a good route runner. It is unbelievable. And it doesn't matter what size you are. If if defenders can't get near you, you're going to be able to put, put points up. And, yeah, I mean, what he's done is absolutely wild. I thought I was high on him. I even was my dynasty wide receiver 20. And then I put it out last week and everybody's going, Tank Dell needs to be higher. Tank Dell needs to be higher. It's like, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe we're talking about Tank Dell as a top 12 wide receiver. But I, I think he's been phenomenal. I mean, last three weeks, he's averaging 25.8 fantasy points. It, it's genuinely incredible to watch him play football. And if he keeps it up, and as you said, that connection with CJ Stroud, it could be absolutely special. The big three that were being spoken about going into the actual NFL draft and then still for the majority of fantasy draft season, Jordan Addison, JSN and Quentin Johnston have they've all been relatively underwhelming, I think, haven't they, so far this season? Quentin Johnston especially. And he's the one player out of the pack that, for me, fits firmly into that danger zone. So 14.2% targets per route run. Only 0.77 yards per route run, only getting 9.7% of the target share, and fancy points per target 1.17. And he's had more of an opportunity than most to forge that role, especially with Mike Williams going out. He's just not done it, has he? Will he do it? No. No, I would agree. <laughs> I, I've 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 never I've never been a fan of Quentin Johnson. This this is the exact type of player that falls into my Calvin Johnson theory. I think he got hyped in kind of dynasty circles because he was big, because he was fast, and because he was good with the ball in his hands. The problem is he's a horrendous route runner. And you can see it now. Basically, he is only good at shallow crosses, underneath routes, gadget plays. If you watch him try and run anything kind of deep, whether it be nine routes or digs or posts or anything like that, he can't separate. And the problem is, is that the the Chargers are now trying to force him into this role. Once Mike Williams has gone, you know, he's he's seen over 20% of his targets as deep, over 20 yards downfield. He hasn't caught a single one of them. Like he is not a good route runner. He cannot separate. So basically, he's a massively overpriced, big-bodied Tavon Austin type. It's it's ridiculous. And I, I think that he was massively overvalued in rookie drafts. And I don't see a world, given how he's played this year, that he returns any sort of fantasy value over the next year or two. I mean, with the numbers he's turned out, he is going to have to defy the odds. Um, I can't remember the percentages, but for... Four rookies that are below that 15% type route run, that are below that one yard per route run, it's highly unlikely he will make it now. And I say he's had the opportunity, he's got a good quarterback, he's had the opportunity. It's unlikely we'll see it. Who are you thinking, when we're looking next year at year two wide receivers, which one or two of those are going to go on to have the most value for fantasy for your money? I think the in terms of my... My values, I think you've got to look at the guys we talked about, Tankdale, Pukunukua. I still believe in Jordan Addison. I think he's shown with competent quarterback play that he's a good enough route runner that I think, you know, he, he's a top 12 dynasty wide receiver for me right now. I think he could be phenomenal next year. Um, 
I do still really like Jaden Reed. I think he's certainly flashing over the last few yeah. weeks. Um, and I think that he's got the ability to potentially take over that offense and be that sort of true number one. JSN is flashing, but I just don't know if he's going to get a big enough target share to warrant perhaps the price that you'd have to pay. But the guy that I think could could blow up is Rashi Rice. He's still not running enough routes. I think the Chiefs are still trying to ease him in gently. But this is a guy that coming in was hugely raw. He basically ran three routes at SMU, was a really raw prospect, and he's already the best receiver on the Chiefs. And I think that we could see over this back end of this year into the playoffs, the Chiefs lean on him more and more and more. And I think that he could be a top five dynasty wide receiver. Like he's got that in his range of outcomes. He could be an absolute superstar paired with Patrick Mahomes and and in that offense with Andy Reid. Yeah. And he's certainly got the, I think that's probably where Rice and Reid are both in similar situations that they have a wide receiver one spot for the taking if they state their claim to, haven't they? And like you're saying about Reid, the fact that there's been so many options in that offence uh, for the, the dominant pass catcher. And he's still coming away with 20% targets per route run. And like you say, he's flashing over the recent weeks. Rice is someone who has been someone I've targeted quite a lot, uh, good value in DFS as well over the last few weeks, because he still seems a very good price what you can get from there. But yeah, dynasty-wise, I would I would agree with you. I'm hoping, obviously, that it's safe flowers that has that breakthrough. I'm interested to see if Pukunakua can keep on doing it whether it has just been the perfect storm this season, the regularity of the numbers would suggest not. But yeah, there's lots of players in there could be really useful pieces to to build your dynasty rosters around. Speaking of which, um, one of your, uh, your YouTube videos that I spent a lot of time going through and then used to myself a lot last off-season was your dynasty roster health check how do you go about when we get to the end of the season how are you going to go about having that little mot of your dynasty rosters i think so um yeah i've, I've put together a, a hopefully a useful youtube video if you want to go and have a look at that but for me i think it's all well and good looking at ranks and saying oh well i've got you know the rb9 overall so i've got a good rb1 I've got the RB18 overall, so I've got an RB2. And sort of I feel like people sometimes view it in that sense. So for me, what I look to do is look at my roster. I break it down. I look at all of my starting spots. I look at one backup for each, a backup quarterback, backup running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then one flex. And that's kind of my squad. So if you've got 10 starting dynasty plus your five bench, that's your 15-man squad. And to me, that's all that matters. The rest of it is kind of back end of the roster turnover. And what I'm looking to do is understand, have I got a positional advantage at each of those spots? Am I kind of league average or am I below average? And so for each of those spots, I create like a traffic light system. So let's take QB1, for example. So my QB1, is it a positional advantage? Do I have one of the big four? So Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. If the answer is yes, I give myself a green. If the answer is no, do I have one of the next here? So Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, CJ Stroud, Joe Burrow. If that's yes, I, I give myself an orange. If I'm worse than that, I give myself a red. And I do that for each of those positions. And then at the end, you've got a clear traffic light system of where am I good? Where am I average? Where am I bad? If your team is full of red, chances are you've probably not got a very good roster and you need to potentially look at making some aggressive moves or rebuilding. If you've got a whole roster of green, chances are you're absolutely loading and you're going to compete. And then again, I do I have a second traffic light system where I'm basically looking at age, contract situation, potential. So, you know, are they an age 31 wide receiver that's probably got one year left in? Or are they an age 22 wide receiver that, hopefully I'm going to have for the next 10 years. So again, there's like a secondary traffic light system, but it's just about taking a really detailed logical approach to assess where am I strong? Where am I weak? And actually is my roster good or is my roster really bad? And I need to kind of be very aggressive and attack it this off season. Yeah. It's something I quite enjoyed doing with my rosters uh, last off season, going through and having a look at that. And it's quite easy when you're just skimming through and you move from roster to roster to, to not be able to fully take in how well-rounded that is. 
And like you say, you could end up having having a fantastic starting lineup, but when the bye weeks hit, what have you got to plug in there? What have you got to get you through those? Well, I mean, especially we're recording this just before week 12. Week 13 is going to wipe some rosters completely out with the teams that are on by in week 13. And at that stage, are you equipped to deal with that as well is really important. I've been absolutely hammered uh, quarterback in seven mile dynasty leagues. I've been far too high and far too optimistic about Danny Dimes. Um, and that's uh, that's come back to bite. Fortunately, though, um, being higher on Dak Prescott last year, it didn't quite pan out. It's worked out well for me this year. And he's probably one of those players that at the moment is probably moving from that amber towards green, potentially, depending on the depth of your league. I'm very lucky in one 16-team uh, dynasty league that we've got, where I've got for a one-quarterback league, Dak Prescott and Justin Fields. And I'm hoping they both finish strong because I'd quite like to move one of them on because I'm I'm struggling at running back. I'm full of amber and red at running back in that league. So, yeah, using some of those green pieces to upgrade elsewhere can be quite useful as well, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it helps have an overall kind of analysis of your roster as well. As you said, if you've suddenly got absolutely loaded at running back and you're kind of looking at it going, I'm probably too strong here can I shift some of those running backs to strengthen me at wide receiver to get that balanced roster? Or, you know, equally, if you're in a rebuild situation, am I happy being loaded at one position and weak at another because it's helping me rebuild and, you know, getting points off my roster? So I think it helps just take that kind of holistic view and really take everything in in a nice, easy, (laughs) colour-coded manner because I don't know about you, but when I'm looking at, like, 30 names it's sometimes difficult to take it all in yeah. and fully understand no exactly that leads us into thinking about some trade for and trade away targets then so trade windows are up in most leagues now where do you stand on having a trade deadline in dynasty leagues rich do you think that's something that should be in the same as redraft should it be a bit more fluid should there be no trade window so it should just be free for all throughout the whole time in dynasty what are your preferences I refuse to play in any leagues that have a trade deadline in dynasty leagues. It's it's I can't understand it. It's to me a trade deadline is there to stop people kind of using their resources unfairly in the playoffs. But in a dynasty league, you're not just playing for that one year. You're looking at you know a dynasty. You're looking at it over a full year period. So if a team is out of the playoffs and can sell off a a really good piece at an inflated price to a contender who's desperate for a quarterback because they've just had a quarterback injury. Surely that's helping the benefit of the league if the player that is then selling it off can do so at an inflated price because that's then going to help them be better down the line. And I I just think that, to me, no dynasty league should have a trade deadline because you're basically limiting when you can make trades. And to me, a dynasty league is 365 days a year and and there should be no limit on when you can make trades or any transactions. I think it's something that I've changed my mind on significantly over the last few years, but in correlation with having reliable, consistent people in my leagues as well. I think I'd had a, when I first started playing fantasy, having a few dynasty leagues where people would do that, they would sell everything uh, to to win championship and then they would disappear for the whole of the summer and then wouldn't be around again. Now I'm in a situation where I would say all of my league, I've got a core across a lot of my dynasty leagues and then different people that fit into different slots as well. And I think when you know you've got a reliable group of people that are they're there for the long haul, then that works perfectly. Same as with not having um having trade review periods in any of my leagues where I know people are there. There's no need to have it. In wider leagues, perhaps where I've got more, especially more inexperienced members, I like to keep that in place to help help regulate it and make people don't take advantage. But yeah, I think dynasty, especially when you've got that core group, people do what they want to with their rosters, don't they? And you can only trade away so much anyway. You only have so many picks you can trade away. You only have so many pieces you can trade away. Trade four targets then. Um, my first person I've been picked up a lot of places from waivers through the season in redraft and have been actively trying to trade where I'm weak at tight end and will continue to through the off season uh, is Jake Ferguson. 
So Jake Ferguson, I think, has been a fantastic value this uh, this season, but seems to be a little bit of an under-the-radar great value pick. Um, it doesn't... I think because so much is going on at the Cowboys, people are so focused on what Tony Pollard is or isn't doing. Obviously, C.D. Lamb is taking all the plaudits. Jake Ferguson has quietly worked his way to a 15.6% target share, 28% target share in the red zone, 20% target per root run, and 1.8 points per target. You'd be happy with those numbers from a wide receiver too, especially when we've just been speaking about some of those rookie wide receivers we've been looking at. Solid numbers for a tight end eight as well. Is he someone that you would be targeting in Dynasty or is he someone you think like, maybe I'm being too high on there? No, I, I think it's a great pick and I think it's a great player, as you say, to go and target. You know, everybody's seems obsessed with the three young tight ends in terms of Trey McBride, Sam Laporta and Dalton Kincaid. And it's sort of almost like Jake Ferguson's the forgotten there we call it ugly <laughs> sister that's that's kind of being left on the back burner. And yeah, I mean, he, he's a top 12 tight end for me in Dynasty right now. I think he's, you know, looks far more explosive after the catch than I ever thought he could be when I was evaluating him as a rookie coming out. I think he's shown a really nice connection with Dak. I think he's still not a, a route runner that I think can gain massive separation against man. I think he's still going to be one of these that, you know, like a lot of tight ends, let's be honest, is going to do most of his damage against zone. But I think that as a, you know, plug and play tight ends, He's yeah, he's he's probably not going to win you leagues, but if you're just looking to fill a hole and it gives you that solid, reliable production, I think he's a really great option to go and get. And as you said, I think people are going to get to the off season and go, oh yeah, Jake Ferguson had mm. a really good year, and his price is probably going to rise. Anyone you're actively going to be targeting in the off season? Yeah, I I think I guess at this point I. I, I'm slightly obsessed with contracts and looking at that because I think that that's a real um, undervalued resource, shall we say, within the dynasty community. Um, so at this point of the year, I'm particularly looking at players that are potentially out of contract, could potentially be moving teams, find a new situation, but are being forgotten about. And the guy that I'm buying everywhere I can right now is Zach Moss. So I think Zach Moss fantasy for this year is basically a forgotten asset. We've seen Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he had 97% opportunity share in week 11. Like, this is Jonathan Taylor's backfield. Zach Moss is now purely an injury handcuff for 2023 fantasy season. So chances are people that have got Zach Moss are going, okay, he's just a a backup. I'm never going to start him. I've seen him traded. I've got him for a third in a couple of places. Like, I think his value is rock bottom. Zach Moss is a free agent at the end of the year. We know that the running back market is weird. We know that NFL teams approach the running back market in a very strange way. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets an opportunity at least as like a 1B in a split backfield, but he could potentially carve out a role as like a 1A. And I think that he showed early on in this year that he's got enough that if he's in a split backfield, if he's going to get work, he he's fantasy relevant. And quite frankly, if I can go out and buy him now for a third, I can spin that for a second, maybe in, you know, in the off season, once he signs, once people start to see, oh, actually, Zach Moss might be fantasy relevant. It's easy profit. And I think worst case scenario, you go out and buy Zach Moss. And and as I said, he stays where he is as that sort of injury handcuff for a potential player like Jonathan Taylor. And if you can go out and get it for a third, the probability of Zach Moss ending up having a fancy relevant role is probably higher than whoever you're going to pick with that third round rookie pick ending up turning into something. Yeah, as a third round pick, you're looking between, depending on position, between five and eight percent chance that they have a what I class as fantasy relevant. For so that's top twenty four quarterback, top twenty four running back, thirty six wide receiver, top twelve tight end. Like that's, I'd, I'd say, you know, Zach Moss has definitely got higher odds than that to be fantasy relevant. Another player I've been looking at and is a player that I've never been particularly high on, even at the peak of his powers, but I think he's an excellent by lower candidate at the minute. And that's DK Metcalf as well. So currently wide receiver 30, but is off the back of last three seasons, wide receiver 7, 14, 16. 
and I think he is he's a player that because his name and what he was doing previous years, I think he's the sort of player that will have infuriated at times fancy owners this season and is someone that could potentially be able to to pick up at a decent value. I think he's, he doesn't look like he's been fully fit at any stage this season, but we know what he's capable of. And I don't, he's, he's someone that I just think if you could pick up within a package um, of, of picks or players as well, he could be someone that's a great value and then could go on to have fantastic value on your fancy team for four, five, six years to come as well. Is he someone that uh, that you've got many shares in? Is he someone that uh, you think could be got for a value? I, I think he, he, it's an interesting option. He's not a player that I particularly love. Falls into that sort of big-bodied yeah. outside receiver <laughs> that I think gets overhyped that I, I don't particularly love. But I, I think it's an interesting option because I do think that offence is going to go through some change over this, this off-season. Um, and I think there could be definitely a buy window for him um, as you say right now and also the thing you've got to remember his playoff run is he's got some juicy matchups come yeah. to playoff time so he, he, if you're looking short term he could be a league winner this year absolutely Anybody else you're going to be looking at? Yeah another guy that I think is undervalued is T Higgins um, I think the, the, you know the Bengal season is basically over isn't it let's admit it I think T Higgins I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't come back this year I wouldn't be shocked if this was, you know, he's played his final game for the Bengals. I think there's there's a chance that they might tag him, get, you know, like they did with Jesse Bates, tag him for one year, let him play and then let him walk in free agency. But I think there's absolutely a world that they let him walk in free agency and he's on another team. And you just got to look at the stats that he's produced with and without Jamar Chase over the last two years. He was the overall wide receiver one in fantasy points per game last year in games that Jamar Chase didn't play. Like the guy's an absolute stud. And I think that at the moment in dynasty circles, he's being valued as like a back end wide receiver two, wide receiver three. If he goes to another team and is that wide receiver one, he could easily be a top 12 wide receiver within the next six months. And I think that to me, He's the kind of guy that I like to speculate on at this time of year because I'm saying, worst case scenario, he's back with the Bengals and he's valued exactly the same he is right now. And worst case scenario, I've I've basically spent equal value to what I'm going to get in return. Best case scenario, I'm spending wide receiver three value and I'm getting wide receiver one in return. So I think he's a low risk, high reward option that you can buy right now. Yeah, definitely. Say it, only 24. He feels like he should be older than 24. Um, with kind of how long he's been around. He was a young yeah. prospect coming out. Yeah. Um, he, like I said, he could land in, he's already in a good situation. He could land in a phenomenal situation potentially next year. And yeah, could be a really, really good target. You're exactly right. He's not going to be rushed back, is he, from, uh, from injuries. He's not going to be put into any situations because the Bengals have got. Well, short of a miracle, they've got nothing to play for this season now. Um, trade away targets. Now, I was looking back at my notes from when um, when we had you on in the off-season where we were talking about general dynasty tips and you spoke about being ruthless when trading away players. And that's where I've kind of gone with this. And thinking back that I thought about pulling the trigger on Dalvin Cook and moving him on in the cup place I had him last year. That was a very foolish thing not to have done. Uh, I think I felt some of the offers I got were a little bit low for who was the RB10 last year. We're talking about the RB63 this year. So I think especially running backs, and I'm going to go through a couple of running backs I would move on. You do need to pull the trigger quite early with those players. But I'm going to start off with a tradeaway target at wide receiver, and that is Calvin Ridley. If he has a good end of season after his good week 11 game, after frustrating people left, right and centre throughout this season, I would absolutely cash in on Calvin Ridley. He's in that position that you're saying, but for slightly purposes that we don't know where he's going to be next season. Um, I think if you get an early second for Calvin Ridley, I'd quite happily move him on. Um, and, and see what I could get instead at wide receiver at that stage of the draft. Have we got more to come from Calvin Ridley or are we seeing the the end of his fancy relevance uh, coming to fruition over the over this season and next? As a Calvin Ridley believer, I really hope there's more <laughs> to come. Um, I think week, week 11 was fascinating. I think the Jags had a complete change in terms of what they were doing offensively. Um, 
basically for the first 10 weeks of the year, Calvin Ridley was a pure boundary receiver who never came across the middle of the field. And then week 11, they suddenly realised, oh, we can move this guy around. We started to see condensed splits. We started to see him line up out the slot. And suddenly he broke out and had this phenomenal performance. So I'm I'm hoping down the stretch that they're going to move him around. I, I agree with you. I think that he's sneaky old. I think that, you know, there's I can't think off the top of my head. I want to say he's 27, 28. But uh, he's 28. There you go. So this is a guy that is a, a free agent. His rookie deal expires at the end of the year, which there can't be many players that are 28 coming to the end of their rookie deal. But he was an old prospect who obviously then missed the year for the gambling suspension. So I think it's fascinating that there is a world where he gets massively overpaid as a wide receiver in free agency because we know wide receivers get overpaid in free agency. And that boosts his dynasty value in the offseason which could then open a sell window. But there's also a world where the Jaguars have spent big money on Christian Kirk. They've re-signed Evan Ingram. They've got a Trevor Lawrence deal coming on the horizon. They might not want to spend big money on Ridley. And if he signs an underwhelming deal, and I think anything sub 20 million a year would be underwhelming, that probably negatively impacts his dynasty value. And therefore, as you said, this is a perfect window to kind of get out before that value drops even further. So I think he's... I, I get the sale window and I think that it's it's probably the sensible, safe option to get out of him now. But the gambler in me is kind of thinking there's there's a world where there could be a spike in value this offseason because of that contract situation. And I kind of feel like if I was a contender, a good team, I think I'd sell. If I was rebuilding and wanted to, you know, acquire some risk, I could absolutely see a world where I I take that risk because the the loss isn't that high. Another player who I don't think I'd be any doubt, and is a player that I don't have this option to trade him away because he's a player that I've never been a big believer in and didn't expect him to do the things that the people expected to do this season. And that is being ruthless with moving on a running back, Tony Pollard. Um, kind of as above, if he has a good end to the season, I would move him on immediately if he finishes strong. He's 26, he's on a franchise tag. He's not done what people thought he might or hoped he might do. Um, and people massively overspent on him. Tony Pollard is someone that I think I would I would happily trade away uh, if I had him. Is he someone that you were high on uh, when he had that dominance on the back for the Cowboys or were you a bit more sceptical as well? Yeah, I, I bought in um, this offseason. I was, you know, I, I probably didn't buy in as much as some did. I know some people had him as their overall RB1 in uh, in redraft this year, but I, I expected him to have a similar year to last year. I expected him to be efficient. Um, I, I just, I, I can't decide what to do with him at the moment. He's probably the player that I'm struggling to value, struggling to rank at the moment because there is absolutely a world where he produces back end of this year and he has, you know, commands a decent contract. Where that contract's going to be in the off season, I don't know. The Cowboys could potentially franchise him again. It would be, I think, sort of 13 million because it would be 120% of what he was tagged at this year. But the Cowboys are already 12 million over the cap for next year. You've got a DAC extension that will be coming due at some point. You've got Micah Parsons. You've got CD Lamb that could be coming due soon. Are the Cowboys going to really want to spend money on Tony Pollard? Probably not. And then whenever a running back's moving in free agency, I'm nervous. So I think you're right. It's probably not sell right now, but if he puts together a good couple of games and, and looks like old Tony Pollard down the stretch with fantasy, I'd absolutely be looking to sell high because um, yeah, I think there is a world where his value completely craters this offseason. I'm just looking at the running back rankings and I'm genuinely surprised, given what I've just said, that he's RB6 on the season so far. I think a lot of that is more to do with the the carousel of injuries at running back and what's gone there. Obviously, there's several running backs we would have expected to be on and that makes to have missed a lot of time um, or are out of the season completely. And I think that's, that's where you can maybe get a bit of that value. My next two picks I'm going to put together, though, because they kind of fit the same reason why I'd be looking to move them on. And I can guarantee as soon as I say these two names, there'll be some people listening now will think I'm an absolute idiot, but it fits into that being ruthless and moving players on at the right time. And these are two players I wouldn't move on if I was a contender for a championship next season, 
But if I wasn't feeling I was a strong championship contender, I would absolutely try to get as much as I could by way in draft capital and potential younger players for CMC and Travis Kelsey this off-season. CMC, yes, he's going to win people leagues this season. Yes, he might win people leagues next season. But if you've got CMC and not a lot else on your roster, he could potentially set you up at this point for the next couple of seasons to come with draft capital. Same with Travis Kelsey. I mean, it was the, Travis Kelsey seems to have been immortal. The fact he is the same age as Gronk, and Gronk has been battered and out of the league for a couple of years now, and Kelsey just keeps on doing everything in Kansas. But to hear him talk this week about the toll it's taken on his body and whether when he needs to consider retirement opens a lot of potential question marks there. Would that be too ruthless to look to move those away this season or could now be the right time? Absolutely. I, I think if if you're not contending this season, they shouldn't be on your roster. I don't think even if you're looking at 2024, um, they should be on your roster, quite frankly, because we know that the Dynasty community, we know that Dynasty players are massively ageist. And I can guarantee you now, Christian McCaffrey's running back two in uh, in kind of ADP, Travis Kelsey's tight end two, because for some reason Sam Laporte's tight end one uh, in ADP. I can guarantee you now that both of those are going to plummet as soon as the season ticks over into January um, and we stop playing fantasy because people are going to go, well, Christian McCaffrey's 27, running back age cliff, blah, 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 and we'll get scared. And exactly the same with Travis Kelsey. So I think now is the perfect time to sell because you can probably hold a you know almost an auction and say, look, contenders, I've got two league winners here. What's your best price? And almost auction them off to the best price. And and be honest, you know, do almost do it directly in the league chat and say, look, <laughs> I've got an offer of two first for Christian McCaffrey. Can anyone better it? And see if anyone will. And then when you get that better deal, go again. See if you can get even better. And and because people are going to fall over themselves because Christian McCaffrey and Travis Kelsey could win him a league. I think Christian McCaffrey's looking phenomenal. I don't think he shows any signs of getting slowing down, but we did have those two years where he was injured. Travis Kelsey, no one wants to admit it. Last few weeks, he has not looked good. He's not looked the same. I know we had that ankle injury earlier in the year, but yes, he's always going to be a fantasy superstar because of that connection, because of basically his his freelance ability where he can just run routes wherever he wants and Patrick Mahomes will find him. But he's not looking as athletic as he has done the last few years. And I think the cliff could come fast for both of these guys. So, yeah, I think if you're not contending in 2023, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not selling them. I think one thing, complete non-NFL related as well, that factors in for Travis Kelsey is the fact that he's flirted with the suggestion of being involved in some degree with WWE post-career as well. Um, and there would be some big money waiting for him there, I'm sure, for for the odd appearance. So he's going to want to make sure he's got at least enough left in the tank to maybe live out a little bit of a fantasy for a, for a few months with a, a run in the WWE and make a few million from there as well. Yeah, I, I, let's be honest, I'm, I'm not sure he needs any more money, but yeah, maybe he can uh, he can go and live out a dream and, and go have some fun over there. He might not need the money, but he would certainly lap up a bit more attention. Oh, of course, absolutely. So I will leave the, uh, the the final words before we wrap up to you then, Rich. Who who would you be looking to trade away? I think th- to build off your point, Austin Eckler is, I'm very concerned of. I think we, look, he look, week 11, he looks slow. He doesn't look explosive at the moment. He's fantastic for fantasy because we can bake in huge amounts of volume. We know that he's going to see probably somewhere between six to 10 targets every week. We know that he's going to get goal line usage. We know that he's going to get rushing attempts. But he's a free agent at the end of the year. I can't see the Chargers probably going to have a new head coach, probably going to have a new regime, are going to want to say, yep, let's bring back Austin Ecker for another year. He's then going to find somewhere else in free agency. I don't think any team is going to use him the way that the Chargers have used him over the last few years. So I think his this is it. This is we're going to see the next four weeks as the end of Austin Eckler's career as a fantasy superstar. So I think you need to be running away and getting rid of him as quickly as possible if you're not a contender. If you're a contender, you need to make that decision. Am I happy the production I'm going to get over the the rest of this season, knowing 
that I'm probably not going to have any resale value? If the answer to that is yes, fine, hold him. If the answer to that is no, you need to be pivoting off him to another win now asset, whether you go someone cheap like a Derek Henry and maybe you can get an asset on top or whether you need to go and add an asset and go from Austin Eckler to Christian McCaffrey Maybe you need to pay a second, a, you know, a late first or or something like that, or, or go and get one of these younger running backs. I think you need to be pivoting off Austin Eckler unless you're happy that the cliff is coming and he's probably going to be worthless in 12 months' time. And I think especially for, for Dynasty, the time to do that is, is right now. If you are not a contender, do that immediately because his running week 14-17 is... Is something quite spectacular. Denver, Vegas, Buffalo, Denver. He could win. In, if we say we are seeing his swan song, we could see that swan song with him winning people championships uh, this season. There is certainly on paper the potential for that if you're trying to make a sales pitch uh, for why people should give you some high capital pick yeah, for him. Brilliant. Well, that has been lovely chatting for getting on for an hour there, Rich, uh, just over 50 minutes. So it's been a really nice chatting some uh, dynasty football with you once again. Um, I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point uh, in the off season as well to talk some dynasty. Uh, where can people find you and your content uh, if they want to get involved in some more? Yeah, so I'm I'm at Dynasty Island on on Twitter. I refuse to call it X, um, but yeah, you can find the majority of my stuff is is Fancy Sanctuary along with Tom. So that's the FF Sanctuary. I think we are on Twitter, um, and then yeah, you find all of my other stuff. I think write weekly articles on DLF and a few other places, but yeah come follow me on twitter that's the main place and if you're not already following fancy sanctuary on youtube definitely make sure you get over there some great stuff on there that you can get involved with really nice put together video content so we will if you found the link to this podcast via twitter then have a look below in the thread and we'll have some links to those bits on there as well well brilliant thank you very much rich it's been a pleasure talking to you have a good evening we'll speak again soon been listening to Pesto Ed and Tom of TH Fantasy Football. For more content, follow TH underscore fantasy underscore NFL on Instagram and Twitter.